The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollas, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hear ye, hear ye, Chet is back on the air. Thank you for your patience over the past month as I took time off to find an apartment, pack up my Philly home, and move my husband, cats, and entire life up to New York City. I hope you didn't miss me too much. We are so happy to call Sunnyside, Queens our new home. Just south of Astoria and a 15-minute subway ride to Midtown Manhattan, this diverse and wild multicultural hub is a lush green oasis that feels kind of like an anomaly in the concrete and jungle that is New York City. I am so happy to have found my home in the Big Apple, but it didn't come easy at all. In fact, for a moment, I wasn't even sure it was going to happen. Apartment hunting in New York is a dog-eat-dog world, and our journey to our sixth-floor, top-floor, spacious, one-bedroom home with a beautiful Manhattan skyline view from the bedroom and living room in an elevator building that has space for my husband's office, accepts cats, has laundry, and is well-kept was anything but easy. (laughs) I was wondering what topic I'd like to come back to with Pot of Chat, and considering so many dance artists and other artists, uh, just really people in general, come to New York to make a home and career for themselves, I figured I would talk about apartment hunting in New York for artists as my return and as a gift to all of those artists that want to move to New York City but don't know how to find a home. Before we get started with that... Per usual, just a quick rundown of my teaching schedule. Currently, I have regular classes at Broadway Dance Center. Tuesdays, I am now running a beginner ballet class at 10.30 a.m., and that's running through at least November. Later in the week, I have my advanced beginner ballet classes at 6 p.m. on Fridays. Not sure if I said Fridays, but it's Fridays if you didn't catch it. Fridays, Fridays at 6 p.m. And also, I'm finishing up at four more weeks of an absolute beginner workshop for ballet on Sundays at 6 p.m., um, and those are, it's a closed workshop, but at the end of those four weeks, I just found out yesterday that I will be teaching basic ballet classes, uh, on Sundays from now on. So, uh, if you want to join me for any of those, you are welcome to. Other than that, I am getting back into the swing of my master class in choreography schedules and also, uh, teaching at step. So, uh, as these start to come in, I will be posting those online. So you're always welcome to check my Facebook page for weekly posts of my schedule. Um, And I always make those public. So even if you're not my friend, um, you can still see my schedule on there. Alrighty, on to this week's topic. So, it wasn't all daisies, sunshine, and unicorns throughout our search to find our New York home. 
To be completely honest, even with two years of super commuting, consultation with New York-based friends, and emotional preparation under my belt, our New York apartment search was probably <laughs> the most miserable, like no joke, zero joke whatsoever. It was probably the most miserable end to my super commuter experience. Um, and it's funny because I kept on reminding myself, I, I felt because I had worked so hard to get here that the universe kind of owed me. <laughs> to have like a smooth transition but as I've learned New York does not care how hard you work <laughs> it's going to be a very uh, for the most people I've heard it's a very challenging experience to find a home in New York whether you're looking to sublet if you don't know what sublet means, that means to, to rent from somebody who already has a lease so you don't have to do it for the whole year um, or if you're looking to find a a sh uh, at least that's a year or two years long, or if you're looking to buy a home. I just, it's, it's difficult across the board. <laughs> so, back on August 1st, my husband sent our Philadelphia landlord our 60 days notice that we were going to vacate our apartment. So we had to be out by October 1st. And I steadfastly began looking through uh, apartment search apps and PadMapper online to try to find where we were going to live. We had narrowed it down to Astoria and Sunnyside here in Queens, maybe Long Island City as well, but we, we decided that we wanted to be in Queens really close to Manhattan, that we would rather have a nice place uh, for our price range in this area versus being in Manhattan and living in a little box with our cats uh, using the litter box behind our, our <laughs> couches. Not an option for us. Uh, but anyway, I was surprised to find at the beginning of August that most of the apartments that were available for rent were only available for immediate rental or an 8.15 to 8.20 start date. You couldn't really search for apartments more than a month in advance of uh, your move date. So I realized I was going to have to remain patient and wait until I returned from Houston, Texas when I was choreographing down there at Uptown Dance Company. And if you don't know about that, you can actually listen to my Hurricane Harvey experience that I talked about a few episodes ago because I got stranded down there. That was joyful, especially getting prepared to move to New York. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I knew that I would have to wait till I returned from Houston to truly begin actively searching. So when I arrived home from Texas and started looking, I felt comfortable that I had about a month to find a place, put an application in, get approved to move into the apartment, pack up all of my belongings, and hire a moving company. Per usual, like most things in my life, things got really complicated and ran the course of a cinematic life sequence most people would pay money to watch in a movie theater. You know, entertaining to watch in a movie not so entertaining to experience as a part of your life. <laughs> but anyway, my husband and I found what we thought was our home way ahead of schedule on the 3rd of September. We officially put our application in on the 10th of September and were finally denied entry into that building on 926. <laughs> Let me again remind you of our 60 days notice to vacate our apartment in Philly on August 1st saying that we'd have to be out by October 1st. So we found out that we didn't get this apartment on the 26th of September. Long story short, we were manipulated by one of those well-known conniving New York brokers to apply for co-op and were promised that we didn't have to worry about any of the policies that the co-op stated that they enforced in their handbook. So the way a co-op works is people 
purchase shares instead of their actual apartments. Um, and what they, so technically they don't own their apartment, they own shares of the property. And the way that they function is they have a board and you have to be even to, to rent there or to sublet or to live there, you have to be approved by the board, you have to follow certain rules. So once you're in, it's kind of nice because the rules keep, make sure that you have a nice property, but it can be very difficult to get in. And co-ops are notorious for being completely miserable to apply to. So a lot of people, especially if you're only going to rent for a year or two, they won't do it because it's just not worth your time. But this broker convinced us, <laughs> I mean, I'm embarrassed at this point to say, but this broker convinced us that this, they, they, she told us multiple times, this is a cool co-op board. They're not like any other co-op board. I know somebody on the board. So a three to four day wait for the board to approve our application and schedule a meeting with us turned into 15 days. And we were told that if we passed our credit check, which we did, because um, they wouldn't schedule a board meeting without it, um, that it was supposed to be a 90% chance that we would be approved into the building. So that seemed cool, but there were a couple of things that, that kept on popping up. Like, for instance, we were told we could move in on a weekend, and I saw on the board bylaws that you couldn't move in on a weekend. So finally, when I talked to the management, they said I couldn't move in on a weekend, even though October 1st was our move date. So it, there was there were some red flags. But yeah, so our 90% chance, it crumbled when the board masochistically grilled us because they didn't trust the finances of an artist and a dance educator or my husband who owns his own small business uh, professional organizing business called Spaces Transformed. So we were told that once our credit passed that we were fine because we were subletting from our landlord who had been approved by the board and even if we didn't pay our rent, the landlord would still have to pay her mortgage uh, or the shares of her money into the shares of the building. So anyway, <laughs> we got denied. It was miserable. It was stressful. But in the end, my husband and I were really happy that we got denied because all these red flags started to come up and it began to feel less and like less and less like that could be our home. So with only four days left before we had to leave our Philadelphia apartment, I ran like a chicken with its head cut off around New York City. I actually had to purchase an Amtrak ticket and an hour later run to the train station to go to a viewing. And I, I did this while maintaining a full teaching schedule. So I'm teaching five days a week now, regularly. Not That's not even the open classes that I pick up, but I'm teaching at three schools outside of Broadway Dance Center and Steps on Broadway. Um, and I somehow managed to find our amazing new home thanks to an ama the amazing support of our arts community. We are so lucky as artists uh, that we have the community that we have because I wouldn't be sitting on my bed recording my podcast for you, staring at the Empire State Building and the, the Chev the, not the Chevrolet, what's it called? Ah, uh, that building is called, it's my favorite building in the entire city, and I cannot remember the name of it. It's right next to Grand Central. If I remember, I'll tell you later. So anyway, so through a, through a good friend, we were connected to this his own amazing and honest personal broker by the name of Carmela Massimo, and she deals in Queens. So if you're looking in Queens, check this lady out. She's from Welcome Home Real Estate. If you send me a message, I'm happy to connect you with her, or you can Google her and find her. She was spectacular, and I would recommend her to anybody who is having trouble finding a place in Queens. 
Personal connections cultivated through the arts communities solved what felt like a major crisis in my two-year plan to become a New Yorker. Lo and behold, last second, things worked out the way I had hoped they would. In fact, they worked out even better because the place that we are currently living in is nicer than where we were going to be and our landlords have been so kind uh they're the living supers of the building and uh the husband actually helped us with the move in with our movers so that we could move in faster um it's just been so nice we're a block away from the subway and uh we have laundry our cats are fine um like i said our, our landlord is the living super so our apartment is immaculately kept and all of those bells and whistles <laughs> but yes yeah, so the stress of the apartment search took away a lot of sleep of mine it took too much time and energy and honestly i mean listen to me it probably took a little bit of my sanity away as well <laughs> working on getting that back it's difficult being an artist and trying to find an apartment in the big city. Living paycheck to paycheck, having short contracts or seasonal work, and piecemealing a salary together with master classes, private lessons, side gigs, and more can make it difficult to prove your financial stability. And many management companies won't even consider you for a rental if you can't prove on your tax returns from the previous year that you made more than 40 times the amount of one month's rent during the previous year. So for instance, uh, I mean, I'm lowballing. This is you wouldn't really find this in New York, but say that your rent's a thousand dollars a month. You have to make $40,000. If it's $2,000 a month, you have to make $80,000 prove that. So if you're one person, it can be very, very difficult, especially as an artist. If you're two and you both live a certain way uh, or, or have different career styles, uh, certain career styles, it can also be difficult. Um, Especially if you're moving from a city that doesn't cost have the cost of living of New York, because, uh, for instance, living in Philadelphia, my rates have increased at least a third to uh, or fifty to a hundred percent because the cost of living in Philadelphia is way cheaper. So my income in Philadelphia it does not reflect what my income in New York is. So. As I've learned, apartment hunting in New York presents many challenges for artists and small business owners. So today, I would like to offer you some information and tips from my experience in hopes that I can help out any other artists, small business owners, or anybody who is or will be looking for their own home in the vast market of New York City. So, how to find an apartment in New York? All right, so I asked a lot of people what to do. I also had some experience from our move in Philadelphia. But one thing that I learned from our move from Seattle to Philadelphia is that every city has different ways of renting. In Seattle, uh, most people that I knew went through uh, apartment websites and found their, their homes uh, through those websites. Um, a lot of them even personal websites because there, there are less homes in Seattle. There are more apartment buildings. So people generally have to rent in an apartment building. Um, once we moved to Philadelphia, Philadelphia is row homes, mostly row homes. So there's row home after row home after row home. And most of the people that are renting are renting directly from the owner of that building. There, there are less management companies. Um, so Craigslist is actually the best option for you to search for apartments in Philadelphia. In New York, apps, phone apps, computer apps, and uh, 
things like that are actually really the best way to go about finding an apartment. I was recommended and I will recommend because I uh, agree with what was told to me that Street Easy was the absolute best app, app for uh Finding apartments. So I did also browse Naked Apartments and Rent Hop. Uh, Naked Apartments got on my nerve, and I think uh, Rent Hop was helpful. <laughs> so that's what I did there. Um, and you can, there are different ways to search for apartments. You can go by uh, amenities, you can go by your maximum rent, you can go by neighborhoods. Um, and you can also uh, do a few other things on there, like look for no fee apartments and things like that. But I'll get to that later. Um, I also use PadMapper online, which is essentially a, a compilation program of uh, certain apps and Craigslist and Airbnb and things like that. So you do have to do be a little bit. There's like there's way too many options to look at on there. So you have to really put those filters in. Make sure you put the maximum you want to pay. Make sure that you exclude things like Airbnb because you're not really going to want to be looking for that short-term housing unless you are planning on uh, vacationing in the city. Um, another way that you can go about finding an apartment is you can hire a broker. Um, now, honestly, I'm the broker situation, I think, is pretty corrupt in New York City. Um, they all take fees, um, and certain apartments, most apartments you can't actually even see without having a broker there. Um, so if you have a personal connection to a broker, if you have a friend or a colleague that has used a specific broker, for instance, like I got Carmela, um, I think that that's the best way to go about it. But if you're going to hire a broker that you've never really met before, make sure you do your research. A lot of them do have reviews online, so you can search for that. Um, and really just try to find a way that there's a personal connection so that you can trust that person because like I said our first broker she really made me feel like I trusted her and slowly like everything just started to crumble and each time that something crumbled she had an excuse for it um, so it, just make sure that you you know what you're signing up for because you don't want to be manipulated by a broker okay um, if you're looking for roommates or if you're looking for shorter term sublets um, or lease takeovers, a really good way to access those leases and apartments is through Gypsy Housing on Facebook. Now, Gypsy Housing is a massive group, and you have to be accepted into the group by somebody approving you, but at this point, I think it's actually grown beyond what its purpose actually was. But you can go on there, and what people do is they'll post... Uh, my room's available for three months. Do you want to sleep in it? So if you're having issues have getting like with that 40 times rent to prove to management companies, you can use this to, to find that. Or for instance, when I first started super commuting to New York City, I would I wanted to spend a couple months in the city to see if I could actually pay for Philadelphia rent and New York rent. Um, and I uh, ended up staying and subletting in an apartment for three months while I was there. So um, that's a way to go about that. All right, so how to, continuing this how to find an apartment discussion. Um, you will want to uh, find the perfect neighborhood for you. Things that you'll want to consider. How far from the places you need to go uh, are the neighborhoods. For instance, so Sunnyside and Astoria were really great options for my husband and me because it's more affordable, there's a little bit more space, um, but you're really a 
for most points, you're 10 to 20 minutes away from the city on on the subway. So um, Sunnyside was a great option for for us because the 7 subway line is really accessible for me. I teach in Port Chester, New York, in Stamford, Connecticut, and the trains leave from Grand Central there. So the 7 goes straight to Grand Central. Um, Also, I teach at a school in New Jersey, and the 7 also goes straight to Port Authority. Um, Broadway Dance Center is a few blocks from the 7, and then Steps is a little bit further, so I have a transfer point. But for me, the 7 was really great, so that made Sunnyside a really great option because of the subway. Um, Again, space needs. So if you uh, are fine living in a smaller apartment um, and you don't need as much space, you may be fine in certain neighborhoods uh, towards Midtown Manhattan, even though it'll be more expensive. Um, we have two cats, and my husband has his own business, and we need to have space between us and the cats because he needs to have, he can't have cats meowing while he's working with clients. <laughs> so um, we needed a bit more space. We knew that we wouldn't be able to get that for our price point living in most of Manhattan, so we, we wanted to look elsewhere. Also, what can you afford? Uh, what do you what do you like to have access to? One of my things that is very important to me, not to sound snobby, I mean, I lived in Seattle for seven years, so it kind of makes sense. I need to have a nice cafe around me that is not Starbucks. I love Starbucks. It's a good go-to. I know if I go to any city, if they have a Starbucks, that it's a, I, I'm going to be okay. Um, but I like to have a fancy coffee drink here and there, and I like to sit and think and be inspired and do my blogging and prep for my podcast podcasts and do other work, uh, not always in my apartment. So I like to go to a nice cafe where I can relax, maybe on a lounge chair, different things like that. So that's something important for me. I also like a nice cocktail. So I, and I like uh, diverse food. So Sunnyside was perfect because I had Peruvian food the first night that I was here and I've had Thai food and all that. So just what do you want to have access to? If it's really important for you to be right next to work, you can figure it out there. If you want to be close to to studios that offer open classes, you can figure it out from there. So there's that. Um, Also, what types of properties are available? Um, There are many different types of buildings in New York City. There are high rises, which are usually pricier because they are pretty much neighborhoods within one building. Um, And the higher up you go, the better your views are. Um, And a lot of those buildings have very nice amenities. there are a lot of mid-rise buildings across New York. And what you'll find is, like, for instance, here in Sunnyside, there are a lot of six-floor uh, pre-war buildings. So there aren't a ton of tall buildings over here. Um, but a lot of these buildings don't have elevators. Luckily, mine has an elevator. But uh, we were looking at some properties where there, there were beautiful apartments on the sixth floor, but you had to walk up six floors every single time. So you have to think, am I willing to be in a building where I have to walk up multiple flights of stairs? Um, one of my colleagues at Broadway Dance Center, she had a, a really bad injury of her foot, and she was on the fifth floor of a walk-up building. So she pretty much had to crawl up to the top floor, and then once she got up there, she didn't really want to come down. So for a lot of the time that she was injured, she just stayed up in her apartment because of that. So you might want to take those types of things into consideration. Um, There aren't as many individual homes um, where you could rent or a part of a home, but there, there are less so in Manhattan, more so in the outer boroughs. Um, 
but those are actually pretty good options if you uh, don't necessarily meet the requirements that a lot of management companies will do because they're usually a little bit more lenient. But you have to think, am I willing to live above a family with three? So a lot of artists are, or a lot of dance artists are, when they're performing, they're in their 20s, maybe you like to have more fun, maybe you like your music playing, maybe you like to practice your choreography uh, for your gigs in your apartment, maybe that's not the best option. So it's kind of just finding like what type of home you're really looking for and you're willing to live in. Next in finding your your perfect apartment, you need to determine the amenities that you that you would like to have in your apartment. For instance, my husband and I have two cats. We could not live in an apartment that did not accept pets. Um, one thing really to consider in New York, a lot of buildings don't have central air conditioning. So you have to see if there are air conditioning units in the building or window units, or if you have to purchase them, or even if you have enough windows and space in those windows to put AC units, otherwise you're going to bake during the summer. Um, you determine, do you need laundry in your building or are you willing to go to a laundromat? Um, again, do you want to walk up or an elevator? How far from the subway are you? Um, and different things like that. The best way to go about this, and this is how my husband did this months and months before we moved, is to make a list of must-haves, would-likes, and deal-breakers. And honestly, what I've learned over my years, because I've moved, I mean, I moved five every year for five years from 17 to 22, and then I stayed in Seattle for seven years, and then once we moved to Philadelphia, we moved uh, three times, and now we're in New York. So I've done this a lot. <laughs> I'm only 33. I'll be 34 tomorrow, which is very exciting. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the age of 33, I've, I've moved multiple times. Um, so it, I think that's really important to have your, your must-haves, would-likes, and deal-breakers on a list. And you need to stick to these, uh, as your comfort and safety should be non-negotiable. Um, of course, there's always a little bit of leeway here and there. But I think for the most part that we've learned that when we really forego our must-have list, that we really regret it in that time. All right, now that we've talked about how to find an apartment and find exactly what you want in an apartment, um, what is required for moving? Most of the places that I looked, and I think I looked at about 10 to 12 places uh, before we found our perfect home, um, you will be almost always required to have first month rent, one month security, and a broker's fee. That is really common. Um, I will tell you that you should not pay more than one month uh, rent to your broker. That's about 8%. Um, a few brokers tried to convince me to pay two months or like 12 to 16% of a uh, yearly rent. Um, and I told them I've shopped around and there's no way that I'm doing that. That was a deal breaker for me. So don't pay more than a month. Otherwise, you are being completely ripped off. Other things that are usually required for move-in is that you have a good credit score. Um, I, what I notice is a lot of them are looking for a credit score of 700 or above. If you have 700 below, it's not that you won't be able to get into a place, but they may require uh, other things in order to make sure that you are going to be able to pay your rent. Um, now, depending on the place, your tax return, like I said, they might ask for it to show 30 to 40 times one month's rent in income. But if you can, if you don't have a great credit score and you can't prove from past uh, 
past tax returns that you make that there is something called a guarantor and that's essentially having like a co-signer on your lease or if you have a 401k or some other like your savings account just something that they can tap into if you actually don't pay your rent um, there is this thing called a guarantor so you might want to look into that if you have access to something like that um, now, for me, this was the challenging part because my my I, I started super commuting to New York so that I could build work so I could afford my New York rent because my Philadelphia rent was much less than what I am paying now. Um, so if the amount of money on your tax return income on your tax return is different than what you're making now, you can do what I did if they will accept it. But you have to ask. You can't just assume that they will accept this. I asked for letters of employment from all of my new and uh current employers. Um, and what they did was they told the hours that I was working and my guaranteed income through the rate that I get. Um, and then they signed it and offered their information. So that's actually how I was able to prove my income. Um, also, I found that a lot of the places appreciate if you provide a letter uh, with information from your previous landlord. Um, Essentially, I wrote a letter that said, I've always paid my rent on time and I am in good standing with my landlord and I'm a good tenant, tenant, tenant. Um, so if you want to talk to my landlord so that he can or he or she can vouch for for me, um, I offer their number and their email. So you can do that, but just make sure that you have obviously talked to your landlord um, and make sure that they are going to speak well of you. If you have a tense relationship, it may not be a good option to do something like that. But our Philadelphia landlord uh, and my husband and I got along well. So he was a, a good advocate for us. Um, so combined with the letters of employment, um, my husband's timesheets for his, his uh, small business, and then the the letter from our previous landlord. I think that's what really helped seal the deal for us to get this apartment. Okay, just a couple things that I noticed in my apartment search because a lot of people have told me about these things and this is what I got out of looking. Um, so a lot of people try to get away from those broker's fees and they don't want to deal with the brokers. But what I found is there are a handful of no-fee apartments in the city, but they are usually not as nice as the ones that <laughs> actually have a broker. Um, after I saw one or two no-fee apartments, I was like, nope, no more. I'll pay the broker fee. Uh so that's one thing to consider. Um, another thing I noticed, uh, a handful of brokers don't even show up to show you the apartments. They'll pretend like they're going to show up and they'll be like, oh, I'm stuck in traffic or, oh, the living super left the building, left the door open for you. And they just leave you to fend for your own and figure out how to go in. Um, if that's the case, I completely suggest that you negotiate their fee down because they really aren't doing their job. <laughs> um, I, I was disappointed that a few people did that to me. Um, something to keep in mind, every apartment has something you want and something that doesn't feel right. Uh, so really, that's why I think it's really important that you have that list of must-haves, would-likes, and deal-breakers, and you should really consult your list in order to do that. Um, one last thing that I noticed in my apartment search was that the price that you pay for your apartments, it's really amazing to see what works, like, like what ends up 
being nice and not nice compared to price. Um, because one of the first places I saw was only $125 less than the place that I'm staying now. And to be completely honest, that place was not really a place that I would want to live. Um, now the apartment that we were looking at that ended up, or that we applied to that ended up falling through, that apartment was really nice. Um, but for just $100 more, the apartment that we're in now is spectacular compared to that one. So if you want a little bit more, don't be afraid to up your price $50, $100. Like for instance, um, the one of the apartments that I looked at, it didn't have window units. Um, so we would have had to purchase a couple of uh, air conditioning units for our windows to cool our place. Um, and if you looked at the amount that we're paying in rent at our, now, our new apartment that has three window units in it, um, pro we probably would have spent the same amount of money as the increase in rent that we're paying for the entire year in just purchasing those window units. So um, I know that we all have our price points that we don't want to go over. Obviously, you need to stay within a range that you can afford, but look at what amenities you have and think, what am I going to save on? Like, say, if there's a gym in the basement, um, you... Mm, won't need to pay for a gym so that if the rent's a little bit more it may be worth it in the end for that um, I, I think I said that was the last thing I noticed, but one more thing um, that I noticed is really, yeah, references and uh, personal connections in your network are the best way to go about things. If people have had negative experiences, um, you should really re listen to that. I had a friend that suggested an apartment to move into that she used to live in that building, and she was like, the live-in super doesn't really do their job. They do it eventually, but it takes time. For me, that was a deal breaker. I didn't want to do that, so that was good to know. Um, but like I said, having the personal connection to come into the apartment building that we're in now, um, we felt comfortable moving in here. Okay. Uh, lastly, warning signs to look for. Um, whenever you go in to look for an apartment, you need to do your due diligence. Don't feel rushed by a broker. Um, if they say, oh, I have to get out really quickly, don't let that rush you because, I mean, maybe they do, but that could also be a tactic so that you don't see certain things that are not great about the apartment. So, one thing that I notice: always see if the water turns hot from the faucet or the shower. Um, my Washington Heights sublet for the first three months of 2016 was a big lesson in how to live. Um, and I was I, I sublet into a friend's apartment. I knew one of the people in the apartment, and they were out of the apartment most of the time. But I didn't know their roommate, and it was miserable. Um, the roommate was not friendly or kind or nice, so it wasn't fun. But I didn't get to check the hot water because they had been living there. The hot water. Water only worked about 30% of the time, and I was living there January, February, March, so I would shiver while I was taking showers. Um, so that's one thing. Flush the toilet. Make sure it, it's running. Um, look for mold in the fridge in the bathroom uh, or water damage under sinks or around the shower tub. Uh, in two of the apartments that I, I viewed, there was mold in the, the freezer. Um, and in one of the apartments, <laughs> I ran the water in the sink and I checked underneath the sink and there was water. And I was like, wow. And I looked up and the pipe had a hole that I kid you not was like two inches in diameter. Um, so check those things out. Look around the edges of the rooms for dead bug remnants. Um, one of the apartments I found a cockroach in the corner. No, thank you. Um, also, there's a bed bug registry online that people can report if the buildings have had recent reports of bed bugs. So you don't want to be living with that. That would be disastrous. And that is not horribly uncommon in New York City where people are living in very close quarters and right next to each other. 
Um, make sure you look in the cabinets to see the space and what's in there. Um, check the light switches and make sure that they work. Uh, if they say they will fix something, absolutely get it in writing. Um, make sure that you stay quiet for a little bit and just listen for noise. Sometimes, like for instance, one of my friends, she lives right along the subway line in Astoria, which is above ground. So she said she has a lot of noise in the living room every time the subway goes by. So some people are okay with that. Most people aren't. Um, but that's, there's, uh, you want to hear if the residents in the building are loud. Is there a highway outside? Um, what about passerbys if you're on a lower level? Um, different things like that. Um, and then after you view, view the apartment, if you really like it, don't just walk away. You need to walk around the building and check a few blocks around it to see if the streets feel safe. Again, my disastrous Washington Heights experience, there were drug dealers that would hang out in the cove of my apartment. Um, so every time that I wanted to go from the subway and walk into my apartment building, I had to fumble with my keys while people were doing drug deals behind me. So if something went wrong with the drug deal, I would have been stuck trying to get in the apartment in the cove I couldn't get away because they were like blocking the cove I mean granted they were nice but I mean it was one of the most uncomfortable things um, or there was a club a block a block away from that apartment um, and at night every night of the week until 2 3 a.m. in the morning all you would hear was like the oots, oots noise of that club um, you just need to make sure that you do your entire research. A building is a building, but there are also streets around that building. So you want to know what your experience is going to be like, um, especially if you're coming home late at night or if you're uh, a female that is walking by yourself, things like that. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. Okay, so this is my New York City apartment hunting guide for artists or small business owners or anybody else that is looking for a place to live in New York. I love New York. It is probably my favorite city in on, on the earth, and I am so happy that I can now call myself a resident here. Um, it took so long to get here, um, and I can't believe that I experienced the last two years the way that I did, but I'm really proud of myself for getting there, and I, I'm glad that I've had this chance to, uh, as an adult, look for a place to live in the city and that I can pass this information on to any of you that want to come hang out in the city or take classes or start your career or be inspired or anything like that. So if you have any questions, um, need any advice or are looking for a broker or anything like that, you're welcome to reach out to me. As always, I am happy to help out. Um, we are back onto our regular schedule for pod to chat. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be, I don't know if I should announce this, but I'm going to, I'm going to be launching a new blog coming up soon. Um, and when that happens, I'm pretty sure that pod to chat will become a bi-monthly podcast. So I will be blogging every, every other week. And then the opposite weeks I will be podcasting. Um, I'm, I'm doing that because I want to remain inspired and I want to remain, uh, or keep on giving you guys fresh, new, exciting content for years to come. And I think the best way to do that is to make sure that I have a bit more space for time to think and to come up with topics. So um, that will probably be happening uh, soon, but I will continue to do weekly podcasts until I make that final decision. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, and I think that covers everything 
for this New York City apartment hunting podcast. Okay? I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcasts or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over five years. I also have a YouTube channel that features my choreography, and you can find that at B. Carolus. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chat. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.